What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Connor Casey is on the line right now, and Connor, this is tough for me to say. It's a tough topic for me, but man, is it now? Dolph Ziggler what, what? is talking a lot right now. I've I swear I've read like three different iterations of the same interview. I don't know if he's just doing the circuit for whatever reason, but I mean obviously he has a lot of time on his hands these days with his place in the company, but he is giving some of my favorite interviews in the world. So when I come across Triple H interviews or Jinder Mahal interviews where I want to pull my hair out because they're just so <sighs> untruthful and condescending and annoying and i i should if i'm going to throw these two under the bus i should clarify as to why i guess jinder mahal claims that wins and losses don't matter and that's still one of these things that he and triple h both talk about and yet triple h goes over gender in india and the idea that wins and losses don't matter and gender being very clear that they're telling a story and if the story is compelling that's all fans should want and telling fans that they shouldn't concern themselves with wins and losses is asinine. Now, sure, it. I think it's uh, it, it, it's complicated. It's not like just, oh, if you win a lot, then that's good. If they don't win a lot, that's bad. I understand that professional wrestling is different, but Jinder Mahal pretending that his win streak and just completely flipping the script of actually being presented as a guy who wins a lot of matches did not play a pivotal role in his change in the company and how so many casual fans saw him is ridiculous and triple h obviously benefited for over a decade of being the guy who buried other people and being a competitor that won a lot that's just part of who he was and that established credibility uh for the hunter hearst hemley hemsley character that did not have that same sort of credibility so the idea that adding a lot of wins is not an important thing for wrestlers to get to a certain place drives me insane so when Dolph Ziggler points out that like his new place in the company as the gatekeeper as he coined it uh for NXT talent like Bobby Roode and Shinsuke who come into the main roster and he's the guy that they work with first and he puts them over but he doesn't win and he's like well if you lose enough fans aren't you're not as valuable as the company even thinks he is because fans know he's not coming out on top and he has a he has a he makes a lot of good points and I just I really have enjoyed listening and reading Ziggler's thoughts and I think he's a very self-aware guy and I don't know I've, I guess I've come around on Ziggler and I, I I've very much enjoyed this new self-aware meta Dolph Ziggler character. I I absolutely agree. Um, it, it's interesting. You hear the phrase "wins and losses don't matter" in wrestling and. It, and I feel that's a mantra that needs to be rewarded. Winning and losing on any given particular night, just one night, it does not matter in the long run. Winning and losing over extended periods of time, that does matter. 
you know, in order to get over, you have to go over at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, trans. I I actually transcribed his interview he did with Edge and Christian, and the point he made about how when he comes out to the ring, and even the kids now know, um, oh, Dolph Ziggler's out here. We know he's going to lose. Well, that you know, that does more damage to him than any bad promo or any championship loss because you've taken away his credibility. You've taken away his credibility as a contender. Um, and that's, you know, that, that's a shame. And considering how long he's been with the company, I don't think he deserves that. Um, I, I think within a year, because he, he, he's hinted as such, uh, I think within a year you see him in a similar role that, uh, that Cody Rhodes is in right now. I think he's gone from the WWE. I think he's uh, putting his talents elsewhere. And I think he thrives in a, in a growing independent wrestling community right now. I think he's the next uh, version of that. I would agree. And I think the one thing that's different is Cody Rhodes is still very, very young. So he had the opportunity to do that. And I think, I mean, Ziggler got to experience more success on the main roster than Cody ever did. But I think Cody made the right decision. I would agree that it's done wonders for his career and it will be just a look back as a major success for his career. And one of the best things he's ever done. But Ziggler, I wonder, because he's 37 now, is it too late for him to have that rebirth? Or could he have like an AJ Styles-like run? Because I think people forget just how much of a rut he was in on Impact before he had this late career resurgence. And I'm not saying Dolph Ziggler is AJ Styles, but I do think there are more similarities than people may uh, just may think in general. Because, I mean, both have always been seen as some of the best wrestlers in their company for years and years. Like people just love AJ Styles as a performer for a really long time. And no one would ever, I think, I I guess I've kind of changed and shifted on this in the last year because I have not enjoyed Ziggler as much as a worker, Uh, a lot more rest holds than uh, the Ziggler of the Vicky Guerrero and AJ Lee days and Biggie. I think it's a little, he's working a different style and it's not as enjoyable, but maybe it's more conducive to, uh, having a longer career. I, I think he's taking less chances. I think he's uh, he's kind of evolved a little bit. And um, I don't know. I think he is someone that... It, he That feud with The Miz last year was so good. And it was so hot. And he, I, I think we all thought that he was going to end up losing that feud and that would be it. He would finally go and do his own thing. And then he won. And then he kept his job. And... He, he's just been in this purgatory for last year, so I wonder if he has any regrets. I don't think he's spoken on that, whether or not he regrets not uh, just leaving the company when he had their opportunity last year because I think he uh, he could have taken advantage of another year in his prime uh, on the indies, kind of like what you said with Cody Rhodes, and I think he is just like a perfect fit. If, if C.J. Parker can just turn into a star on... New Japan and under the new name Juice Robinson, I think Dolph Ziggler could have a lot of success working in New Japan or Ring of Honor or wherever. And I think it w- he would be going to a place where people would appreciate who he is as a wrestler a lot more than they do in the company because, you know, that's <laughs> people love character- wrestlers like Dolph Ziggler in New Japan and Ring of Honor. I just think it would go over really well. And I think he would get the admiration and the respect that I think not only does the current 
television Dolph Ziggler crave, but also the real life Nick Nemeth. I think he craves that too of just, you know, I, I think I'm the best and I want to be the world. Like he's very upfront about it. I want to be a 10 time world champion, but he's also very upfront that that's never going to happen because I'm not three inches taller. He just points out that he's six feet tall and that still matters in this company. And it kind of worries me when I think about guys like Finn Balor, but he has a point. I, I just think he's a really smart guy. And I just, I've, I, I think it's interesting. And I do hope he actually does leave because I don't see how much longer he can uh, continue to do what he's doing on SmackDown because it's just, it just seems like a waste. Yeah, I think, um, I think the last real, you know, breath he had in terms of a shot at the main event was a year ago with that Dean Ambrose program, because they had absorbed the meta narrative of this guy has been around forever. He's had some success, um, but it's always short lived. And more often than not, when he's put in these big situations, he comes up short. And turning him heel on that a year ago was the closest they got to capitalizing on, you know, this situation that they had put him in. And even then they don't pull the trigger. So what does that tell you? You know, now, now he's devolved into the, the last few months, uh, making fun of everybody's entrances only to go into a few with Bobby Roode and come out on the losing end. I mean, there's kind of nowhere you can go after you've done the, the meta narrative. Yeah, and I think that's where he's at, and it seems like he he just sounds defeated. Would that be fair way of characterizing his comments lately? Yeah, I I would say that's fair. Um, you know, it it, it feels it he doesn't he doesn't feel like he's coming from a place of anger. It's more of resentment. I, I think the the time for you know him being angry about the position he's in was a couple of years ago, because mm-hmm. you know even when you know, the, the air, I still, I remember the era of 2011, 2012, where this guy was, you know, bumping all over the ring and putting on good matches yeah. to the point where the fans were unironically cheering him, even though he was a heel, you know, even if he was aligned with Vicky or AJ and Big E. Um, but even those fans have gotten sick of him. Even those fans have, you know, given up on trying to get this guy, you know, back to that level that he got a whiff of at money with the money in the bank contract. Um, you know, it's, it's a similar situation with Zack Ryder. You know, we've given up on trying to get this guy uh, into any kind of, you know, position just because WWE told us over and over, no, we're not going to do what you guys are asking. Yeah. And I think it's, I would agree. Like it does seem like he missed the boat and I think he knows that. And I think he knows, I wonder how much he thinks about like the concussion thing because he won the title, the world heavyweight title. And then he had that concussion and then he had to vacate the title. And it seems like that was a missed, a major miss moment that would probably haunt him years later. But I just, I wonder like, it's just, it's so interesting with him because five years ago, like you talked about, like people, he, he got over on his own by just being an awesome wrestler and bumping all the time. And I guess there are a lot of similarities to Daniel Bryan in this regard too. And he just, he missed his moment. And I think the I just, is there a not, I guess I'm thinking like five years down the line. Cause we've been thinking a lot about five years ago in 2011, 12, when he was people's wrestler of the year, like he was just 
amazing in his early 30s and just doing great work and he was just he was fun and he was awesome and he knew you were gonna enjoy yourself watching him compete against anyone it didn't matter you wanted to watch Dolph Ziggler work and it sucks that this year I have not wanted to watch Dolph Ziggler work I did not enjoy his programs with Shinsuke I have not enjoyed his programs with uh Bobby Roode and you know it's it just feels like a shame and I I I don't know I think I, I I don't know. It's just if he leaves and goes, let's say he goes to New Japan and he spends five years or not, maybe not even five years, like three years away and he comes back at 40 and I just, I do you think anything changes? Do you think WWE still well, it would see him any differently? I think there's a strong possibility the company looks at Cody Rhodes in a different light when he, if he ever comes back. I don't know if that would be the case for Ziggler. Like what would he have to do on the independence for Vince and the people in power within the company to really change their mind as to how they see Dolph Ziggler and where he actually should be on the totem pole in the WWE. Is there a chance that he could be the face that runs the place on SmackDown three years from now, similar to when AJ Styles came in at 40 and at the top of his game? Is there any chance of that? Or I don't know. How do you see that playing out? I, I don't think him leaving for three years would fix it. Because one thing you have to consider is Cody, you know, he wasn't around as long as Dolph. He wasn't in WWE as long as Dolph has been in WWE. And he was never, you know, even for a couple of months, put in the same kind of positions that Dolph was. You know, Cody never got a whiff of, the, of either world championship. He was always in the mid-card. And then he left. Now he's one of the biggest names in Ring of Honor, and you know he's taking advantage of their relationship with New Japan so he can you know work both promotions. Um, with Dolph, he would essentially have to, in a span of three years, reinvent himself, go to re- go to one of the promotions, become one of the top draws because that's what got Vince's attention with AJ Styles was he looked at wow this guy was a top draw in Japan and sold out the Tokyo Dome. Yes, we need to get this guy in here. I don't think Dolph could. I don't think Dolph can get to the level Cody is at now um, without taking a spot because there's only so many spots to take. You know, if he's in New Japan, you know, do you really think he's going to outshine Kenny, uh, Okada, Naito, um, a lot of the different members in Bullet Club? I doubt that. I, I think he gets to a. I think he gets to an upper mid card level there, but I don't think he gets to a world championship level there. Um, at least not, you know, maybe three years from now at towards the very end of it, uh, an outside chance. Sure. But, you know, not right off the bat, not, not six months into, into a run, like what Cody's doing right now. Cause I mean, he remember Cody showed up at final battle a year ago and now he's walking the final battle this year as ring of honor world champion and like their biggest money draw. I don't think Dolph can make up that kind of time. Yeah, I, I would agree. And it sucks because just think about guys like Ziggler. He, I just feel bad because I, I remember reading that he has wanted to be a professional wrestler since he was like five years old. And I think he like made the ultimate choice at 12. He just, it's just been in his veins. And I think his whole career has just been kind of like a major what if in a lot of regards. And I just, I always sympathize with people like that that just work they know what they want to do their whole life they work really hard like Ziggler 
could not have become a better professional wrestler. And I think that's part of the reason he's just kind of let down. And like, I, I did everything I could physically, but I can't force myself to be three inches taller. I can't force myself to just look exactly the way that Vince McMahon wants me to look to be treated as a t- potential 10 time world champion. And I just, I, I, I really do empathize with dudes like that because it's just in his blood and you can just tell he really wants it. And just, he knows that he's 37. He knows that he's only got a couple years left. And he also, it's not like he wrestles a style that ages well. Daniel Bryan was facing the same thing years ago is like, I think CM Punk, if he'd ever left wrestling, I think he could have wrestled for like another decade with the way he worked. And look, CM Punk's my favorite of all time. I'm not going to pretend that he's not. And he's one of the major reasons that I just became so obsessed along with Edge and Randy Orton growing up. But I just think Ziggler is kind of, I don't, I, I just, I keep coming back to him just being, kind of broken down about all of it. I just, I think he needs to go and I think he needs to clear his head. I think he needs to try something new. It just seems like a guy in a rut that needs a, some sort of a jolt. And I think this is, you kind of touched on this earlier that this independent scene is just getting better and better. And I think there are opportunities for him to have some really big high profile feuds with some of the best wrestlers in the world and an opportunity for the fans that have always appreciated his in-ring work basically like a last run to appreciate because I don't think the Ziggler that people loved in 2011 is going to be, there's not many of those matches left in him. I don't think because like you said, he bumped like crazy. He, when Ziggler goes all out and he really does wrestle that style that he was just so good at a couple years ago that so many older wrestlers like Kevin Nash and people I remember at the time, like you can't bump like that. You're never going to be treated as a top guy. If you make everybody else look as good as he did. But at the same time, he deserved a lot of credit for willing to put his body on the line to make others look good. And I think that's something I'll always remember with Ziggler is like when I talk to people about it, like years later, like 2012 Dolph Ziggler and 2011 Ziggler was just awesome. And I remember a lot of those matches and I hope we get to see a couple of those like against Okada or Omega or somebody like that. I just want to see him get those where he can do those 32-year-old Dolph Ziggler matches at least a couple more, if he can, before he really does have to hang it up because I don't know if he can just wrestle at 42 with the kind of wrestler that he's always been. Agreed. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Ziggler before we move on? Uh, Let let me pose a question to you. This is an idea that popped up into my head. Um, How how far away are we from saying that Bray Wyatt is the new Dolph Ziggler? Okay. So (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts on that question. First thought is Bray Wyatt has never been anywhere close to as talented as Dolph Ziggler. And I'm I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I'm not saying in ring. Well, not just that. That, I think that, that comparison isn't fair. I'm saying, in the way the company views him, how I think the far the company has always him? viewed him as a top guy. I think it's been more on him. Like I think he has dropped the ball when he has gotten a lot of chances. And I understand but a lot of people how, cite how you, the loss to say, Cena. How can, how can you say he dropped the ball when you look at all the feuds he's been involved in, where he's coming on the losing end? 
I mean, I well, get he's a I... heel, and I get that he yeah. needs that. You know, the good guys need to overcome every now and then. But shoot, at least Miz wins a feud every now and then. What was the last time you could say that about Bray? I'm not disagreeing that the way they booked him was kind of silly because if you're going to treat him as this god and has this guy who constantly talks about winning and how he's the, this mastermind, I think it's counterintuitive to have this guy lose all the time and lose every major feud he's in. I would agree. All but the I time. I also don't think... I always just have always thought he was overrated. I've never thought Dolph Ziggler was overrated. And I think he just... Triple H clearly had a vested interest in Bray Wyatt when he was coming up and he's gotten like, he got the great entrance. He got the family, he got the family taken away and then he got the family put back. And I don't know. I feel like they've just given him way more chances to succeed as a top guy than Ziggler. And I understand that he still was losing those feuds, but I don't know. I feel like Ziggler had to work really, really hard to even get to the point where they trusted him to carry the SmackDown world heavyweight title for a brief time. Like I think it's just a different. I think Bray Wyatt's kind of similar to Roman Reigns, where they picked him out a long time ago as a guy. Once he they saw that character, and were like, "Oh yeah, we can use this character for like the next twenty years." And uh, I, I don't know. I don't think they ever saw that with Ziggler. Like they could have seen him just washing out after the Spirit Squad stuff of like, "Oh, failed gimmick doesn't work. He's just a, a an easily replaceable guy." And I don't know. I just I, I think they're very different. But I will say. Bray Wyatt is another example of a missed opportunity. I will say that because that entrance is still awesome. I think he does have talent on the mic. It's just he hasn't said anything coherent or worthwhile in five years. And that's a problem, but I don't know how much of that is his fault. But, you know, now he's in a feud with Matt Hardy, broken, woken Matt Hardy, excuse me. So neither of them have to say anything coherent. They can just have these odd video packages back and forth for the next uh, six months. So, yeah. Do you like Bray Wyatt? I'm not, I'm not a fan, honestly. I I was when he started, um, but he feels like he's this weird cautionary tale um, that almost runs counterintuitive to what you hear people say about the WWE so much. Because you hear people like John Cena say you need to go out and grab the brass ring and you need to, you know, present your own ideas and make a character yours. And you look at this guy where 90% of what you see on TV each week, this guy made up down to his entrance music. You know, this was all stuff that he presented them with. And they, you know, they jumped on it because they saw this opportunity you know, but at the same time, because they didn't create it, they don't know what to do with it half the time. They don't know how to write them because it's not their creation. It's, you know, it's his. And that, you know, that in turn, you know, he did everything right and it ended up backfiring on him. And that, that yeah. sucks, you know, and it's, it's nothing really on him. You know, it's more on, you know, you know you're, you're, told, you're told this is the way to succeed. You did it. And you're essentially, you know, being punished. That that's that's kind of crap, you know. Yeah, I guess I don't have. Right. I don't. I've always thought he's like the weak outside of Eric Rowan. I've just always looked at him as like the weakest member of it, even his own group. Like I've always liked Luke Harper a lot more, and obviously Braun is the superstar. Even though I remember that, I I distinctly remember that Raw where Braun debuted and just groaning. I just thinking, oh, 
great. We have another Vince Mason Ryan project. And Mm -hmm. I just remember being so bummed about it. And then here we are now, a couple of years later, and Braun Strowman's one of the best parts of the company. It's it's fascinating. And that, that only worked once they immediately separated him from the, from, you know, the Wyatts and kind of removed any mention he was involved in that group. Yeah. The Wyatt family, not great in WWE history overall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that last well, thing now on that Ziggler, we've, I will now say, that we yeah. bummed the listeners long enough with Dolph Ziggler and Bray Wyatt, <laughs> want to move on to something more out. positive. Did we? Because I think I just spent, we just spent like 25 minutes kind of appreciating Dolph Ziggler. I think we, it was kind of a bummer about the situation that he's in, but I will say, I I think we're, it was, it was still positive as how we look back on him and his career. And I think even with Bray, like, I think it's, it's not super down the dumps and I don't want to go so internet wrestling guy. So let's, you're right. Let's stay away from being too negative about this product. But the last thing I will say, let's move on to a SmackDown pay-per-view card. (laughs) You want to go to that? Okay, that's good. I I probably should not talk about raw from this week if we want to do that. Cause that is another thing I wanted to touch on a little bit because it's, they are putting a lot into this storytelling and the way they're booking raw that I find interesting, but let's jump in to um the clash of champions card what are your early thoughts about it um it is the final pay-per-view of the fourth quarter and that's how wwe is viewing it and they are just like we really need to get to the rumble because we we are kind of running on fumes here going into the new year so there's a couple of matches that they've they've managed to make me care um, particularly the, the Shinsuke, Orton, Sammy, and Kevin match. Um, but yeah, this is just kind of a let's get past this so we can get to the we can get to the meat of you know every wrestling year, which is lead up to the Rumble and you know Mia after that. So it, it's just kind of a it's a necessary evil in a sense. This pay-per-view, I'm very low on. I think this this kind of reminds me when I first looked at this card of, oh, right, there's a pay-per-view this week that I just get the December to this member vibe from that monstrosity of an Oh, oh nothing's that bad, man. Come on. Okay, I'm going to... Uh, dude, this is a bad card. Okay, I'm just going to give a couple of these out, and people can, make their, uh, can draw their own conclusions about this. Jinder Mahal being in the main event already in major strike. We don't need to see Mahal and styles anymore. I, I just think it's still a gigantic waste to continue on in this feud. That story's done. You don't need to do this anymore. Lumberjack match for the SmackDown women's title. Charlotte Flair and Natalia had a terrible match not too long ago mm-hmm. and they don't work well together. I love Charlotte. I'm not as big of an Italia person, but I just, they don't have many options on SmackDown right now for Charlotte to deal with. So, cause they put Oscar there and you know it's kind of weird that the ruby the riot squad is not anywhere on this card i i think that's a little strange that they didn't think ahead when they were bringing them up to find a way to put them on this card because i think they need to be there because are they just going to be in the one of the i mean just the group i would assume i guess they're just going to surround the ring of the charlotte flair natalia match in the lumberjack match but that doesn't make any sense to me because could you see absolution just, especially with raw this week of just surrounding the ring for like a Sasha Banks versus Alexa bliss title match and not interfering or not, or just playing along like that. 
doesn't fit their characters or the story they're telling. I don't I don't understand what they're doing with the Riot Squad at all. But yeah, I think right. What the, what they're gonna do is they're gonna be in the Lumberjill match. At some point, you know, someone's gonna look at them funny. They're going to attack the rest of the girls around the ring. It's gonna lead to a brawl, and either Charlotte wins on a quick roll up, or the brawl spills to the ring, and the whole thing gets thrown out. I mean, that's. I mean, Charlotte's walking out of here with the title one way or another. How that happens is kind of irrelevant. And I think them putting a riot squad in that Lumberjill match is just to, you know, be like, okay, this thing is going to end in a schmoz one way or another. Yeah, I would agree. I have a question. You posed one to me earlier. I want to pose this to you. Has there ever been a Lumberjack match that you've enjoyed? Hmm. I will I will say I enjoyed hate watching the Ambrose Rollins Lumberjack match from a couple of years ago. Because okay. it somehow it somehow went from hey, let's keep them in the ring to hey, let's see how long we can keep them out of the ring. Because I I think they spent fifteen minutes, you know, in the stands, if I recall correctly. <laughs> it it was just such a joke of a match. Um, so that, that's one I'll hate watch, but honestly, Lumberjack matches, it's always, you know, it's always just, Hey, people need a paycheck and people need to be out in the ring. We got to justify having them in the locker room. So shoot, throw them out here and, you know, have them, you know, flat fight each other for, you know, it's just a, it's just a thing. It's, it's never something I'm, I'm really looking forward to. And it's never something I'm like, Oh God, there's another one of these like, like strap matches. I look at those and I'm just like, this is never going to be good. So please mm-hmm. stop. Um, you know, it's just, it's just one, it's just another, you know, little, uh, it's another little stipulation that gets thrown into matches that usually indicates the title is not changing hands here. That's a good question. I kind of want, I'm after we do this podcast, I'm actually going to go to the pro wrestling database and look to see if there has ever been a lumberjack match title change. Ooh, better question with this, I guess maybe. Would you rather watch a lumberjack match or a battle royal? Because hmm. these are—I I will go ahead and point out, um, in the interest of full disclosure, these are my two least favorite match types in professional wrestling. You can you can have a good battle royal though. You you can. It just depends on how you eliminate people and what what you're trying to do with it. You know, if it's a if it's a divas battle royale from circa 2010, yeah, it's going to be awful. I know half the women don't know how to go over the top rope, um, you know, but it, you know, sometimes if you go to, a, you go to certain shows, you know, they'll put 20 guys in the ring and just go ham for 20 minutes, you know, and it'll be fun, but yeah. it all, it all just matters how much creativity you want to put into that with a lumberjack match. You can't do all that much other than, yeah. you know, Hey, all the people in the ring hate the people outside of the ring. They're going to fight. That's about it. Yeah, we can't do ladder matches and elimination chamber matches and war games over and over again. It's unfortunate that we can't do my favorite match types all the time because that would that'd be cool. But I would say that I would rather watch neither of them. But I guess if I had to choose, it would be a battle royal. I really don't like lumberjack matches. Maybe that's it. So right, yeah, but right. some other matches on this card: Zack Ryder versus Mojo Raleigh. The, there's no chance this is good, right? Like, I'm not trying to be super cynical. There's, I don't think the crowd cares. They've tried. They've gone down the social media route. Like, they've been throwing major sick burns at each other on Twitter. 
I just, I, I don't know. I don't really care about this feud at all. It's, it, I don't know. It just doesn't really register me. And also, Bree Zango is facing the Bludgeon Brothers. I should say, though, I feel like I've said, though, like 13 times in this podcast, the Bludgeon Brothers have been a much better hit than I expected. I think they're great. Maybe it's just partly because these two just work really well together as a tag team, and Luke Harper's just generally awesome, uh, even though I think he's now just going by Harper. Why is Breezango not just called the Fashion Police? Why do we? Why does WWE insist on these combinations like the Miztourage and Breezango and just like what do you? They haven't given Rusev in English something yet, but I'm certain that's on the way too. Why did we not just call them the Fashion Police? I don't understand. Why are they still Breezango? Okay, let, let let me see if I can unpack that list. Um, okay, Zach and Mojo. Uh, nobody cares. I find it hilarious that Mojo won the pre-show Andre Battle Royale at Mania, and it did nothing for him. Um, I, I find it I found it funny that the hype rose in a SmackDown tag division that was actually kind of you know you could give just about anybody a shot at climbing the ranks there. I mean, we had Rhino and Heath Slater as tag champs at one point, and there was an opening, and nothing really came of it. Um, as far as Breezango goes, yes, they should be called Fashion Police. And yes, they should put the fashion files back on SmackDown Live. I don't know why they're putting them on WWE.com all of a sudden. I thought we were That's way past the days of the dirt sheet and whatever the hell crime time called their show. Like, all the emphasis is on YouTube. Why are you putting this stuff on WWE.com all of a sudden? Are we, are we that desperate for traffic over there? I don't get it. Um, I have a solution. Can, can, I, can I quickly interject, though, on that? Can I, can I offer my solution? Sure. Sure. Bring back velocity. Just give Fashion Files thirty minutes on WWE Velocity on Saturday nights. I would, I would watch those YouTube clips. I'd watch it. I'd record it. Man, you you don't need we do the last thing this company needs is another show. Like, do you no, really we cancel two hundred five live. We cancel two hundred five live, and then we it hasn't been back. canceled, and they haven't canceled main event. That's still a thing. Somehow. That needs to be canceled too. So um, that's what I'm saying. That we cancel those bringing two bringing back Sunday Night Heat and Velocity. The thing is, they ne- they're never going to cancel anything because they need to make money. So they're going to keep all these things going and just, pro- just saying, hey, let's bring back Velocity, let's bring back Sunday Night Heat, let's bring back those recap shows that would run on like Saturday morning of the previous week of Raw and SmackDown. Let's bring those back too. You know, you, you just keep bringing something and they're never gonna they're never gonna leave. So X day on bringing back Velocity. Um, well, I respectfully disagree, but back Brothers, to Bludgeon Brothers. <laughs> okay. Back to Bludgeon Brothers. Um, while their squash matches are fun, I can't stand two things about them. One, their outfits don't make a lot of sense. Why, why does this look like a patchwork butcher's outfit? <laughs> I don't get it. Um, and they bring these ridiculous-looking Super Mario Brothers-looking hammers <laughs> down to the ring. And they don't use them. They just, you, you brought down these weapons that you never use. It's like when Samoa Joe had the machete in TNA. It was like he, <laughs> he could never use that thing. So why did we give it to him? You know, and if, if, if these hammers you know, with, that are goofy looking, if we're going to have them come to the ring and that's their gimmick is they have the bludgeon brothers, they bludgeon stuff with hammers. Do they ever bludgeon wrestlers with hammers? Heck no. This is PG, damn it. Um... It's pointless. It's it's but 
you know, watching them, you know, squash a couple of people was fine. Um, I'm just waiting for the day where Luke Harper is given is you know given a singles run where they make him shave the beard, put the hair in a man bun, and put him in a suit. Because I think that would be, uh, I think that would be an amazing gimmick, making him look like the assistant guy for BoJack Horseman. Is my is my pitch for a oh, Harper wow. single run? Yeah, the Air character. No, no, not him. The, no, uh, Princess Cat, Princess Carolyn. Oh, uh, pit- Hipster assistant. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Looks just like him. If, if yeah. He, if he put the hair in a man bun, he trimmed up the beard. Oh wow. Yeah, that's my. I idea. like it. But yeah. So uh, you Brothers, made a good point though, because one of my favorite podcasts and uh, a friend of mine, Paul Griffin, had made that same point after they debuted, and he's very much advocated in the last couple weeks of them actually using the hammers and, and being very confused as to why they're not using it to their advantage and just smashing wrestlers over the head with these instruments. Like I don't really, it, it makes no sense. They're not using them at all, at least in some capacity. Like it's this gigantic weapon. I mean, Robin Reigns is legally allowed to use a bulletproof vest and protection in all of his matches. And yet people still punch him, but you know, right. I think there is a, obviously you can't use the hammers, but it just begs the question, why even introduce him in the first place if all it is is just this entrance prop that they just leave? And I guess it's just because Kevin Dunn really likes that shot of of what happens when they come out to the ring and just zooming in on the hammer placement. I think that's all it is. Kevin Dunn just loves the entrance and loves the hammers. If you want to like completely lose any faith in their characters, go look up the Botchamania guy Matthew because he did mm-hmm. a dub over of the of like one of their promos, and he just set the Team Rocket music into the background, <laughs> and it fits so perfectly that I'm just like, oh my god, these guys are Team Rocket. Therefore, they are never going to be taken seriously. I think they are kind of being taken seriously. They're good. I think they're too talented. One of them is talented, and one of them is Eric Rowan. That is, that's fair. I, I'm very bummed that they didn't end up doing like a Doink the Clown character for Eric Rowan. I thought that's they were they're going for a, a while back, and it never happened. I think you could bring back some kind of It-like character, and they could have used him in that capacity, which would probably be better, but, you know. So they probably win here. I think it's fine, yeah. but, you know... Then there's that's like I think the best match of the night will be the tag team title fatal four way because there's just too much talent and when you put that much talent in a wrestling ring it just works it's kind of like war games when they had uh, the undisputed era sanity and Roderick Strong and the authors of pain just like no matter what kind of match you do it's just gonna be good that's too much that's just too much talent it's like the Golden State Warriors you put too much on the floor and it's just gonna be good and I think. I love everybody in that match. Like I love the Usos. I love the new day. I love Rusev, love Aiden English, love Sheldon Benjamin. I love Chad Gable. I think this is going to be really, really good, but is there any way they don't retain the Usos? Um, maybe if they just want to, you know, throw everybody for a loop, they give it to Rusev and English, which I think I've seen someone refer to them as Rusev day as a tag team name. I don't know if that's official. That doesn't but make any I sense. That's what they're... Well, Rusev Day doesn't make sense in the first place. And oh, yet, it very I much makes everyone sense. Happy. I celebrate and Rusev Day every day. No, that makes very yeah. much sense to me. I'm 
I'm here for Rusev. I have been one, a gigantic Rusev backer. But as a tag team name, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, it doesn't have to make sense because it's Rusev Day. But anyway, um, no, I don't, <laughs> think fair New, I don't think New Day gets it back. I, I am not sure what their opinion is of Shelton and Gable just mm. because it's so I think somebody made this point on another podcast, you know, Shelton should be the, this, this should be a lethal weapon technique. This should be Shelton is just too old for this crap. And Chad Gable is this like hot headed upstart. Who's always trying to get into trouble. Like, I, I think like that's a more, that's a more interesting dynamic than we're just doing American alpha again. Please ignore the fact that Shelton is clearly older than Gable by a, a decent <laughs> margin. Well, you know, they missed the boat with the Shelton stuff because do you remember that report that they were planning to do like Shelton, Ziggler, and Swagger as this like stable of just awesome wrestlers, like this heel stable of just awesome wrestlers on SmackDown? That would have been so good. Oh, they, I mean, you always hear the, you know, them pitch, you know, the, the shoe fight wrestlers, you know, become a faction. You know, like Jordan and Gable were rumored for that at one point down in NXT. I mean, it's always like, I mean, there, there's always that idea getting floated around and it just never comes to fruition because Vince doesn't like actual wrestling. Um, <laughs> Fair. But yeah, I, that, that team, while fun, I don't, I don't think they have anything really for them. So yeah, either Usos retain or Rusev have an English taken as a kind of a swerve. Okay. So Next. there's probably not going to be a title change on this show, I guess. I'm, okay, that then I'll then I'll uh, I'll I'll say I'll counter that. I'm Uh-oh. thinking the triple threat with Baron, Bobby, and Ziggler. I think Rude wins, but it's not clean. I think he pulls a chicken shit move where he rolls up either Dolph or Baron while the other is distracted, um, and he runs away with the title because I think we finally need to get to the Bobby Rude as the cowardly champion as a heel that he was in NXT. I like because it. him as a face does not make a lot of sense. You know, he is, he's clearly aping Ric Flair. He's, he is loud and bombastic. Half the joke of his entrance is how stupid it is and how people love it anyway. And that doesn't work if you're a face. So guy needs, guy, and you know, you look back at TNA, his best runs without question when he was a bad guy. So that's his strength and they need to play to it. And this is kind of the way you do that, you know, without really, you know, rocking the boat with the other two, because they don't really have anything planned for Dolph, and they keep trying to tweak different things about Baron. That's fair, I think. So that, that's my title change. I like tonight. it. And, Rude cheating to win, and like, I think, it would, I think it's good. Like, I think that's a good idea, but I think Corbin's not eating a pin. That's not happening. No, right? I, so I, I think it, Ziggler I, would be the fall guy if Rude wins. Probably. You know, but that that statement also implies my boy AJ ain't losing his title. I we're not even no 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 no. They wouldn't. I'm glad we're on the same. I'm glad. I'm never never say never with these people. But no, they're not. You know, gender. If they had any faith in him, still they would have taken him into India as WWE champion. Win, win or lose to Triple H, you know, doesn't matter at that point. Um, this whole thing was building up to that 
tour, which got consolidated down into a single night where gender, you know, comes out on the losing end, or he's not even, you know, being overly cheered than the guy he's in the ring with. Like, there's, there's nothing that they can, you know, the only angle I see that makes sense is if they are just doing this to set up gender Cena at Mania. Cena win the belt for a 17th time. My counter argument is they can do exactly that match, just no title. I mean, you don't need a championship. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. I mean, they need (laughs) need to find something for John to do, and he's obviously not going to be involved in other championship pictures. So, you know, this is kind of... Oh, I actually know what John can do. I I like we're calling him John. We're on a first-name basis. Sami Zayn. Oh. Uh, maybe I gosh you know I don't I guess that that carries into the uh the tag match which will probably be the main event I'm calling yeah. that now yeah that's definitely um, gonna be the main oh, event of the show also I need to I need to make a statement here I'm ready that has that angered me on Tuesday so Brian announces himself as the second uh referee mm-hmm. um and the commentary team acts like, have we ever even seen a match with two referees? What would even happen? I'm like, you just had one on Raw earlier this year with the club. Do not act like you don't know what this is or how this works. It's not this magical new concept. People remember this because they watch both shows. Why do you, do you act like we have the attention span of a rodent? Well, if you watch Raw, right. you know that they definitely think that people have the attention span of a rodent. Well, it, and it just, it just, we have memories, and we have the internet. And you know we have the internet because you plug Twitter and YouTube constantly. And you yeah. plug the network, which you need an internet connection for. Oh, so, I've actually got a, I've got an, I got a way to solve this problem, this dilemma of not remembering things that happen on both shows. What if they had a common who appeared on both Raw and SmackDown, who was familiar with what's going on in both shows, who could immediately chime in and say, no, that actually has happened earlier this year. What if they had a commentator yeah, you know, who fit that bill? If only, and maybe if he had neck tattoos, but still wore a suit. Mm-hmm. And who would like sometimes get in Twitter arguments and actually come out on top and you know, would be kind of a cool commentator, which is pretty hard to pull off in, in general. But that just wouldn't add up. So let's get no. to the match itself. Um, I, I think come Mania, Kevin and Sammy are in some sort of tag team and or faction um, that would kind of pr- wouldn't allow for a singles match. That's my that's my early early prediction is they are still together and they are they are fighting another duo. Um, mm-hmm. which as for the match, it's as for the match itself, they're not getting fired. So, you know, they're obviously winning. How though is a good question. And I think it involves, I mean, so who, who do you think turns? Um, I think, do you Daniel think turns. it's really, I think that's you where think they're, so? I think that's where they're heading. I really do. Okay. I think this ends with, Maybe not a clear turn, but I do think Daniel Bryan is the reason that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn win this match. I think, 
I think Daniel's the reason they win, but only because Daniel's like, Shane, you're getting out of line. I'm going to get in your face. And then one of them hits their finisher on the other and gets the roll up. And then Daniel goes for the, the counts and Shane's just like, what are you doing? And this prompts Shane to turn gradually against Daniel. Cause I think that's what we're leading to is not so that Shane's going to turn heel. Yes, I do. Because I okay. think some sort of match where Shane versus a proxy for Daniel is what we're leading to. Cause Daniel's not going to wrestle at least not, between now and WrestleMania 34. So you, yeah. So his proxy would make like the most sense for where they're building. I just feel like their proxy would be Zane or Owens. And maybe Shane's possibly, proxy, Randy Orton. No, cause Shane would wrestle. Oh, uh, we that's think what Shane's going to wrestle. So that doesn't make, I that's kind of Sh- silly. So it wouldn't be like a, a Trump Vince thing where they each pick their own guy. It would be a, Shane's rest. Why? Okay. So another sidebar. Shane McMahon. When was his last big match win? Why is he still getting matches oh. when we all know that he loses every match? He has a great spot and then loses. Why? Why are we be, still doing this? Be, because it's in the the answer is in the question. What's his last name? Yeah, that's, that's fair. There point. you go. Okay. So yeah, K K O and Sammy win this match. Um. Poor, poor Shinsuke. I, I feel like he's, uh, um, he's just kind of sit. He's just kind of sitting there, like, "Hey, I'm awesome. Uh, hopefully, they do something with me at Rumble." I don't think they are. I don't think they're building towards AJ versus Shinsuke for the title. Well, I've got. I I won't spoil it, but I've got five. We've got five potential winners. Um, for the Rumble that we are going to be writing about over on popculture.com. That's my new site, by the way, that I'm working for, um, that we're going to be writing about in the coming weeks that we're going to give our prediction of five different wrestlers, and we're going to stake our case for each one of them. And I won't say the full list, but Shinsuke is definitely on that list. Can I give you my five and all of them? And You can like you could rank them, or you could just tell me if this is fair. Sure. This is where I'm leaning right now. One, Randy Orton. No. He just won it. One, Randy Orton. He just <laughs> won it a year ago. He is not winning it two years in a row. They don't do two, that. Bobby Roode. Three. Uh, okay, yeah. Three, Kevin Owens. Okay. Four, Jinder Mahal. Five, Biggie. My dude, you, you are. I, I, I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I am going to say you are going to be disappointed. Come January, I'm going to tell you it's one of those five. I, you can go ahead and write it in stone. It's one of the five. Ko was an outside pick, but he's not one of mine. So. Who who is your number one pick right now? Who do you think is most likely? Because it's not I I'm I don't think it's gonna be a raw guy. I well because the the way you you can argue a couple of different raw guys. But how does but that the figure one, in with Roman Reigns? Like Roman Reigns is still well, penciled in to face him, and unless they're giving Reigns the Royal Rumble win, which I don't think they're gonna do, which they don't have to, they can just say, "Oh, it's Brock Roman. It's a dream rematch that everybody wants to see." They don't really want to see it, but that's what they're gonna say. Um, 
that's that's all they have to do. They don't have to give him a rumble win in order to set that up. Um, but yeah, I would agree. There's a cup. There's the one, the one dark horse that I will give for free on this show. You're welcome. Um, is Finn Balor, but it's not against who you think, because if you recall, roughly WrestleMania 21 through 24. They present, yeah, 21. They presented this idea when they had two world championships. If a person won the Royal Rumble, they actually had the freedom to pick which oh, yeah, champion yeah, yeah. they would go on to face. If you recall that famous Batista thumbs up, thumbs down segment with the contract signing, he was actually choosing whether or not to face Triple H one on one or face JBL and John Cena in a triple threat. But flash forward two years later. You've got The Undertaker winning the Rumble. Throughout an entire week, he, he stares down John Cena, Bobby Lashley, and Batista, all world champions, and they all show up on Raw the next week, and he gets to pick which one he wants to face. Now, each time that they've presented this, they always go with, okay, if a SmackDown guy won, he still goes after the SmackDown title. Yes. But it's a rule that they've never defined because it gives them the freedom to break it whenever they want. So if Finn wins... He can say, well, I have a choice. Roman, you, you have business with Brock. You need to settle. I'm going to turn and go to SmackDown and face AJ in a rematch of a kick-ass match that we had a couple of months ago that I won. And then you can play into a demon is coming into the, the house that AJ Styles built. You can have the meta-narrative of they were both in Japan and both led a certain faction that involved bullets. Um, you can have the age thing be a conversation of AJ, you're older than me and you're just a little too slow. Um, oh, you don't have to sell up... me on Finn Balor versus AJ Styles and Finn jumping brands. Like I am 1000% here for that. I just don't think that's okay. I'm just do. making sure. Oh no. Yeah, I, I'm just saying make it, let's make it clear. I'm not option. saying my five that I want to see win. it's my five that my gut's telling me have the best shot. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm I'm 100% here for what you're talking about, for sure. Okay. So that that's my logic on that one. And I honestly I think that argument for that one is more viable than Big E getting a, a WWE championship match at Mania. I'm sorry, but I think that's more I think Finn make jumping ship is a more viable option. As okay. much as I love Big E, there's no way it's going to happen. I'm going to whisper I would actually give it to Kofi. We've had this conversation before, my friend. I know. Kofi versus AJ? WrestleMania? I'm here for it. I know. Oh, well. Maybe one day. Once I get control of SmackDown. I'm still working on it. I'm doing my best. Maybe one day I'll be the SmackDown czar. But I'm not there well, yet. I hope oh, and by the way, point, before we jump to the last thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I, I just thought that we... I, I hope we're not thinking of the exact same thing, but go ahead. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just saying. I hope you reach that point, but I personally have to get back to work. Yes. So Connor has to go. Connor, I appreciate it. And as you're getting ready to go, I am going to point out. I think Big Cass is another dark, is my dark horse. The return and then facing AJ. God, you were just hurting my feelings on the way out. <laughs> 
Yeah, man, I uh, that's where I'm at. All right, Connor, I appreciate you taking the time. We I kept you way too long tonight, but I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, we can find you on Twitter at ConnorCasey underscore PC, where we can read all your great work at popculture.com. Connor, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chase. Bye now. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.